Hey guys, today uh, on the Effort Over Everything podcast, we have Quinn Everett joining us. He's a two-time Canadian National Super Heavyweight Champion in Olympic weightlifting. He's also a former professional football player with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, I'm going to call him a huge nerd and a gamer, uh, and overall just a general badass human being. Um, I met Quinn at Mount Allison University where we played football together. Um, he's one of the first people I met, actually, at Mount A. I believe he picked me up from the train station in his old beater. Uh, it was pretty sweet. Took me to his place. Crashed on his couch. Next day, classic Quinn. The very next thing we did was go to the weight room and crush some weights. Um, so right away, he became one of my good friends over at Mount A. And uh, well, since then, he's had a great story through uh, a lot of endeavors there that we talked about through pro football and now into some nationally ranked uh, weightlifting. So welcome, Quinn. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. I want to start with uh, one story. Um, when you're in the weight room with Quinn, this is what I remember. I want to talk a lot about being in the weight room at Mount A, called it the dungeon. Uh, it was super dark down there, uh, pretty dungy. Um, if Quinn was in there, he had like, I just remember Audio Slave, just blasting mm. as loud as you can. Um, I had already decided to stop playing football at this point. I think I was in my fourth year. He was in his fifth year. And I had just finished up my session and I was leaving and in, in walks Quinn with all the other, uh, all his linemen. And I was like, Hey, what are you guys doing? He's like, Oh, we're, we're back squatting. And I'm like, sure. I haven't back squatted in a while. Can I mind if I jump in with you? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> when you're back squatting with Quinn, you're not allowed to take less than uh, 90 pound jumps. So 45s, 45s, 45s until maybe you get to 405 and then maybe he'll uh, let you take a smaller jump. Jesus. Um, <laughs> But uh, he goes, uh, I asked him, like, oh, what are we doing? He's like, oh, we're building to a five rep max. And I was like, okay, sweet. And then his, his next question to me was, what's your one rep max? At the time, it was 450. And I was like, it's 450. He goes, Rich, you're doing that for five today. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it. I did it for five. Jesus. It, took me like, it was like a 90-second set where, like, every rep was, like, a full 20-second grind and just Quinn in my ear the whole time. <laughs> Audio slave crank, just like I've never had a lifting session the same as that day, and just like trying to recreate those sessions in that weight room with like all like the guys, like obviously especially Quinn, just like so much hype, loud music, like so many PRs. It was just amazing. Yeah, there was something special about that gym too. It was like if you, it was an old converted like racquetball court or squash court, so it was like really tight. Um, and there wasn't a lot of room there and there was equipment older than, you know, me and Rich put together and there was just something like grungy and like fun about it too. It just made you want to work and it like, there was holes in the floor. You had to like squat in certain sections on the floor because if you like walked out of weight, you would roll your ankle if you were in a certain <laughs> floor. Like it was just not meant for training at all, but it was great. It was, it was awesome. We actually had a guy roll a, roll an ankle. There was one spot on the floor where. Because it's an old racquetball court, it was wood underneath this like thin layer of rubber. So anywhere, well, we, anywhere we frequented doing deadlifts would slowly get holes in the floors. So then you just like start deadlifting further back. And uh, yeah, some one guy rolled his ankle on the floor. Yeah, I remember. I remember one day they the athletic director told us we he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna fix the floor in the weight room." And we're like, oh, oh. "Is there bad feedback there?" Okay, that, I think um, that might have been Miles. Okay, and we're uh, 
We're like, oh, sweet, nice, like about time. And we go in the next day and facility services is there just like building a makeshift platform where they were like over a bunch of holes. They didn't <laughs> fix the floor. They just like put more wood on it and then they just put other platforms on it. So they built like this raised wood platform and then just put two platforms on it and was like, yeah, that's good. And then obviously like we broke through that too, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the college way, man. You know, like budget cuts, you know, that's how it is. Yeah. The year after we graduated, um, they redid the whole weight room. That's Every bit of it. it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of... That kind of push, like when you push Rich to go for a five rep max and it was his one rep, at any point were you worried that he was going to injure himself? No, no, no. That honestly, like, I don't know if it's like at that point, I had only trained with like old school football coaches. Okay. Uh, so my strength and conditioning coach at that point, like going into Mount A and at Mount A was like this old school thinker. Guy, a guy named Alan Wetmore played uh, pro football for a few years. Then he was my high school football coach. And I kid you not, like his mentality was you don't need a doctor. Doctors are like put in place by society to make you think you're weak. His, his thought process was if you drink 20 liters of water a day, you don't need a doctor. So like word I, for word. My, my football coach. Played for the Hamilton Tiger Cats back in the 60s. He has uh, three Grey Cup rings. He played for nine years. He was a center. Um, at same mentality, like often like just rugged offensive lineman back in the day, Ironman football, just run the ball up the gut, and like you don't show your you don't show your pain, you don't show your injury, yep. and if you're injured, like you go back out. Like he's just the same mentality, 100%. Like. Yeah, there was, and I mean, football season is so short too. Where like, if you are injured in the season, it's the thought process is just gut it out and figure it out in the off season. But I mean, when we were squatting that one time, it's not like he, like I mean, in, in normal gyms now or gyms where we train, it's you know just one person in squat rack. There's no spotter. There's no nothing. It's just if you fail, you drop it. But yep. you know, I was there spotting him, so yep. I knew if he was going to have hard time, I would just you know reverse curl it or help him a little bit right but uh like i didn't i actually didn't think about injury at all i just thought you know you can do it Get and i've push. seen him squat before and i knew he was strong enough to do it but. yeah and that was my next question is like did you know that he was strong enough to do it and you just had the confidence because you know telling people to do their five rep max uh you know for their one rep is it, it that could cause problems for some people, some unexperienced lifters. So I'm sure. Yeah. Totally, totally. No, by that point, like th this was in Rich's fourth year, right? So we had trained together for you know two years at this point before you stopped playing football and went to CrossFit. So like I already, I kind of already knew what he was capable of, and I just kind of wanted to push him. That's one. I missed, I missed getting it out with him, you know. By yeah. that point, can I can I ask one thing really quick? This is gonna be off topic, Rich. Um, are you comfortable with sharing why you quit football? I've seen, I've heard you talk about it before, but you've never really got into it. Well, yeah, I'm comfortable talking about it uh, now. At the time, maybe not so much. It was definitely a a rough part in my life. Mm -hmm. um, it was concussions. So I had just had too many concussions, and it got to the point where it was just like, like this, this isn't 
healthy. This isn't safe. Like it had been like six months since I, since I had, <clears throat> excuse me, experienced my concussion. Um, and like, I, I finally went out for, for spring camp. So like the season ends in November and then we go out for spring camp in like May. So how, what, that's five, five, six months. And I remember like, I was still wearing like a red Jersey. So technically I was like no contact still, but like we were just doing like, like fitting up drills. So like, you just kind of like place your hands on someone and maybe give them like a little pop just to like, just to practice getting in position to make a block or make a tackle, like not actually going through with it. So like lighter contact stuff mm-hmm. and like just the, the impact of someone standing there, like throwing their hands into my chest and my head jarring a little was like making me see stars. And I was like, if I can't handle like this minuscule amount of contact without seeing stars. And like now evidence shows like if you're seeing stars, you have a concussion. Yeah. So like, then thinking back, I was like, the last two years I've been playing university football, every practice I've seen stars. So I've had a concussion every practice for the last two years. Yeah, man. And then Crazy. just like it builds into like builds into your anxiety and like you just start thinking about all these like things and like like we don't need to get into it. Like I refuse to watch the movie Concussion because like like I know my chance of now developing like dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever is definitely like multiplied now and i just like nothing i can do about it now but live as healthy of a lifestyle as i can and try to avoid it but i mean that's why i got this tattoo on my arm that's about like suffering like i was in a dark place during that time like deciding not to play football like my whole life was focused on Mm. playing pro football and then all of a sudden you take it away and it's like what what am i gonna do Especially like early in his career too. I think it was like second year when he actually, or maybe end of second year when he actually like made the decision to stop playing. And I remember like I was heartbroken for him. Right. And a lot of the coaches were heartbroken for it. It was just like a really, it sucked, man. And uh, like luckily he found CrossFit like as an outlet while he was still at at Mount A. Um, But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I remember it like it sucked. I love it. it was, uh, I think it was summer of 2013. I was finally deciding to stop playing. And I sent, I sent our coach, Coach Jeffrey, an email at the time, like trying to be super professional and like crying as they had sent. And then the CrossFit Games just happened to be on. And I was watching Rich Froning win his third title. And I was like, oh, this looks, this looks sweet. This looks fun. Like, and like, I've always, I've heard Quinn say it before, or like, we, we like, and I, and I resonate with it. Like, I almost enjoyed training for football more than I enjoyed playing it so i was mm-hmm. like you can just like there's a sport where like you just get to work out like that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> i don't have to run like well i guess you guys do but yeah that's very cool thank you for sharing that i always like getting yeah, it yeah cool i got a little buddy here Sorry, guys. <laughs> got a new awesome. puppy and she's wild yeah cool guy guy yeah um but yeah um like just thinking back on like playing university football and like training and school and um the school we went to mount allison always prides itself in like well sometimes you see football programs that kind of like give easy courses for their football players and like mount allison always prided their academics and like their 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 student athletes like we were students as well as athletes so I just kind of want to have Quinn talk about like, what was the challenges you had, like 
trying to play professional football and getting really good at fo- and getting good at football while also, you know, studying and graduating with a degree. Um, well, I wasn't the best student to say the least. Um, I knew that I needed a C minus in several courses to get the prereq. I was I was very much a D's get degrees kind of guy. But uh, after my first year, I realized, like, actually, you need C minuses in courses for prereqs. So I basically had to do, like, my entire first year kind of over. Um, But uh, it was basically just, like, time management as far as the the degree and courses went. And just kind of knowing, um, like... It was a big thing on like professors too, knowing how the professors are going to ask certain questions and you know getting good at getting tested. Um, but I guess like challenges with school and football, it was always just kind of you know maintaining the scholarship, being eligible for football. That was my focus, and then the degree just like kind of came afterwards. Like I remember finishing my fourth year and thinking. And actually, some friends of mine were graduating that year and was like, yo, I did a degree audit. Like, have you done yours yet? And I said, you know, what's a degree audit? And uh, they were like, oh, it's where you, like, figure out if you can graduate that year if you're on track to graduate. And I said, oh, shit, okay. So uh, (laughs) my very first appointment with uh, academic advisor was the last term of my fourth year, asking if I could graduate in my fifth year because I was always planning on doing five. And I had to take three summer courses and do a full course load and overload one term. Um, but I did it, right? Like, it was fine. It was a bunch of bullshit <laughs> courses, like a bunch of first-year courses at that point. The correspondent courses over the summer, like, I locked myself in my bedroom one weekend and, and did intro to anthropology. Like, it, it was challenging, but by that point, you kind of knew what to do. Mm-hmm. I think the most challenging point was, like, for anyone in college is like first and second year is just kind of learning how to do it. I graduated from high school by knowing what my teachers took in their coffee. So, um, I didn't really, again, I wasn't really the best student. Right. But, uh, the, the school challenge was just learning how to do it from scratch, um, and getting good at that. But, uh, as far as playing pro football, I don't think it really, it didn't actually like occur to me that I was, like could play pro football until maybe like my second year I was just kind of playing football just for the sake of playing football and then I played college football because I got recruited and got a scholarship and said oh this is cool like I can play college football this is sweet and then I started to think oh I want to get better I want to get better I want to get better and I remember um coach Jay I had a a meeting with him after after the season our head coach would always have a one-on-one meeting with every player and basically say like this is what you're good at. This is what you're not good at. This is what you need to work on. This is what we want from you, you know, in the off season. So you kind of had like very clear cut directives um, on what to work on. And I remember he was telling me that I could, I had the potential to play pro football, not because I was good at football, but because I worked hard. And I thought, oh, cool. Okay, well, that's the goal now. It wasn't really like, I, I wasn't a 13 year old kid being like, I want to play pro football. I kind of just like stumbled into it. Um, and really enjoyed training for it more than I actually enjoyed playing football. But I didn't want to admit that to myself until after football, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. I remember uh, there was one off season, probably from what, your second to third year, where like 
you just got absolutely massive. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and in um, a good, I would say in a, in a good way. Like you want to be a big football player. Like you were always like, yeah, you were tall and big, but you were always still kind of lean and like really athletic. And then, just what position? Awesome. Sorry, what position did you play? I played D tackle my whole life, and then uh, when I got drafted, they switched me to center. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that was hard, to say the least. But uh, yeah, that off season Rich is talking about. Um, I was like, I think 240 at the start of the off season. Um, my best bench was like, I don't know, three plates and, or no, probably like 260 at that point. And we would always test. So we would do our max one testing for bench squat and clean at the start of the off season, at the end of the off season, it was basically coach's way of exposing people that didn't work hard. Um, and that off season, I had put like, like 50 pounds on my bench and I'd put on probably like 90 to hundred pounds on my squat. And I think like 40 or 50 pounds on my clean. Um, and also put on like 65 pounds of body weight. And this was, this was from, I think maybe like December to April. Like it wasn't like a very long time. I was having like a full pack of bacon and eight eggs every morning. I had like a delicio with like a pack of ground beef on it for supper. Like it was not a good diet at all, but like it was, it was one of those diets from like teenation.com that was just like eat meat, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then that, like I PR'd my bench at like 315 or something. And then later that summer I was repping it out for like six or seven reps. So like within a year I put on like 65, 70 pounds and like all my lifts shot up and CCES knocked on my front door. I remember that year. I was like, "Wow, that's flattering. Kind of makes sense." CCES because uh, the coaches have to. Yeah, the uh, uh, anti-doping. Anti-doping. Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> coaches have to submit their testing numbers for athletes to mm -hmm. the CCES. Yeah. <laughs> test this. Yeah, basically, like test this Hell freak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember that we we tested one week and you back squatted like almost seven hundred pounds, if not. I forget how much it was. It was like close to 700 pounds. And then the next week you got tested. Um, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. That'd be but at the same, at the same time we would do, we would do morning runs in the morning, uh, twice a week at like 6 30 AM. We'd go and just like bag runs. It was an hour of suicides and somehow Quinn is the, the biggest guy in the gym or one of, and he's still also running as fast as some of the small guys. I just remember him like, like this guy back squats the most and now he's running suicides just as fast as I am. Like how is this possible? Yeah, <laughs> man. Offensive linemen in professional football, people don't realize like how big they need to be, but how fast they need to be, especially guards pulling to go and block for those halfbacks. It's like you need to be they're fast, like way faster than me. And yeah. they're huge. <laughs> it, it's all about like explosive short distance power for the big guys, right? That's why yeah. You look at like the five, ten yard splits are so important for the big guys rather than the forty. Yeah, 100%. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the workload in football is something I look back at and think, man, how did we do this? Like, our off season was like it was supposed to be certain things, but I did more. Like, I always wanted to do more. I did six weight room sessions a week. I did two morning runs a week, and then I usually did one to two of my own, like conditioning or. Um, morning runs or indie work, and then we had a practice once a week. So you're looking at 
you know, three to five running sessions a week and, you know, five to six weight room sessions a week, plus school, plus film. Plus I was working a part-time job at the point at that point. So like, I didn't have any time. It was nuts. Yeah. But, uh, as far as the morning runs, man, I just, uh, I kind of like took pride in being the hardest worker in the room. Um, uh, Wetmore, that coach told me that, you know, you always want to be the hardest per- person, hardest working person in the room. And you always want to look at the people around you and think, you know, are they working harder than me? If so, I need to like outwork them. Yep. Um, and you know, be the hardest per- person working hardest ugh, fucking this up, be the hardest working person that, you know, was basically the, the thought process behind it. So I thought, you know, I'm, I want to outrun the linebackers and then I'd, out sprint the linebackers and then I was like okay I want to out sprint like the slowest DB and then I'd beat them in a suicide and think okay you know I want to out sprint you know the middle of the pack DBs and then started thinking okay you know I want to keep up with like the fastest guy in the team and it wasn't that I was actually faster than them it was just that they weren't putting in that same effort that I was and then they started giving me shit because they were tired and they wanted to bag the suicide run but I was like nah man like let's go it was fun, dude. I loved outrunning those guys. Or trying to, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. But it was hard. It was, uh, it sucked. <laughs> for sure. I mean, that, good for you. that's why you went pro. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 100%. The, the hardest working person in the room thing, like, at least in, in my sports career, I played high school basketball. Don't, don't think that I'm anything special. No, man. That's a lot of running there but uh but that was my thing i was a late bloomer like i i didn't get the curly cues until i was 14 you know like it it was i was very late to the game and you know being the shorter smaller kid like there was nothing i could do other than if i wanted to be a starter was to work harder than everyone and mm. yeah i totally get it yeah my coach told yep. me that he's like hey you're not you're not good like you need to work harder than everyone. And that's what I did. So, yeah, there was a, a guy that we trained with me and rich. His name's uh, Monty. He's uh, still a really good buddy of mine. Uh, I was the best man in his wedding a few years ago. Um, and he's a short dude, right? He's, he's a short stocky dude. Um, and he's just a workhorse man. And me, Monty and rich trained together for one or two years before rich started doing CrossFit. And like when we would squat, for example, I would have to like do my set and then pick up the weight and they would change the rack down. And then I would load the rack so that Monty could squat. And then after he squatted, I would pick up the bar and they'd lift the rack. Like that's what we did yeah. every set so that we could work together. And it was just because he was a workhorse. He was a small guy with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Those are the best people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Um, so how did you find like transitioning into weightlifting then? Like, um, do you want to talk about like, like how yeah. you found weightlifting, what you decided to do or? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I guess to give some context, like I, I got drafted in my fourth year of eligibility at Mount A. Um, they switched me to O-line. I had no idea what I was doing. I made the team on the practice roster, stayed for the summer with the intention of going back to Mount A for my fifth year. Went back to Mount A partway through the season, um, finished my fifth year, and then went back out to Winnipeg and got cut during camp. They were hosting the Grey Cup that year, just 
wasn't really a good year or a good time for them to invest in a guy that wasn't going to make an impact on the field right away. Um, so went home to Halifax, kept training, and I uh, a lot of guys kind of like live their life or live like 10 years of their life on this bubble of like on a team, off a team, on a PR, off of, off of a team, you know, and they kind of just like ride the line for so long. And I thought, like, I don't want to do that. I either want to make it or don't. And I'm okay if, like, my career was only, you know, two years, if that, right? Um, so I gave myself to a certain point in that season to get picked up. Didn't get any calls. That point came up, I think it was, like, week six or seven in the season. Um, just called my agent and said, yeah, man, I'm done. He said, no, I get it. On paper, I just looked like another guy that couldn't make the transition from D-tackle to O-line. Um, which kind of sucked. So um, got cut, wrong place, wrong time. Um, shit happens, played pro, and that was good enough for me. So at that point, I have no money, uh, a college degree, and I'm living in my dad's basement. So I think, all right, it's time to get a real job. So uh, trying to get a job fresh out of college is next to impossible. Um so I spend two, three months in my dad's basement, just like living there, still working out, just doing the, you know, good life thing, um, squatting four or five and a half plates at good life. And people are like looking at me funny. Um, and I end up getting a job at a tech startup in Halifax as like the marketing guy. So I always kind of knew that I wanted to get into strength sports afterwards because like i said before i'd never actually wanted to admit it to myself when i was playing football but i liked training for football more than i actually liked football like the first week of the off season was like my favorite time of the year um just to get after it and get in the gym so when i kind of before i got this job i did like some searching um for like powerlifting weightlifting or strongman i was kind of game to do whatever and there wasn't really much that came up in Nova Scotia online. Couldn't really find much and thought, okay, whatever. Whatever finds me first, I'll do. Cool. So I start this new job, and my first week, there's a guy working there that's wearing a Nova Scotia Weightlifting Association t-shirt. <laughs> and I go up to him, like, yo, like, do you, like, snatch, clean, and jerk? Like, do you weightlift? And he's like, yeah. And he's just, like, this awkward, nerdy kid. Super nice dude, but like just super awkward. And I say, okay, where do you train? And he's like, oh, I train out in the gym in Bedford. And I say, oh, do you like, do you have a coach? Do you have a team? How does it work? And he's like, yeah, I got a coach and there's a team of us that train. I say, okay, cool. Like, can you take me? And at first he's kind of like resistant to the idea because football players kind of are known for doing like very poor, but very strong, like reverse curl cleans. And uh, he was kind of just like, no dude like this isn't your this isn't like this isn't your element man you know like um he he didn't say that but you could tell he was kind of good at that so i pulled out my phone and showed him my best clean at the point at that point which was 385 um and it wasn't a football clean like it was like an ass to grass clean i was doing it in like reebok running shoes and you know zigzags right zigs yeah reebok zigs yeah i got them got them for free in winnipeg man there was no way i wasn't gonna wear those to the absolute ground um so i showed him that and he was like all right monday you're coming with me so we go from i like i pick him up from or we leave from work and we're driving there and i say okay so tell me about the gym what's it like 
It's like, oh, it's CrossFit gym. There's a weightlifting team, yada, yada, yada. I said, who's the coach? And he's like, oh, this guy named Isaac Smith. And I go, okay, cool, cool. Like, did you, did you ask if I could come? And he was like, no. I said, okay, did you like tell him that I'm coming? He's like, no. I said, so we're just going to show up unannounced and I'm going to expect him to like coach me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and I was just thinking like, man, the last thing I want to do is just show up unannounced and be like, hey, I used to play pro football, coach me in weightlifting. Um, so I asked him, I'm like, is there any way you can like call ahead and like, you know, we're like 10 minutes away from the gym at this point. It's like, is there any way you can call him and tell him like, hey, there's this guy coming? He's like, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. And I kind of realized at that point, like, I'm going to the gym with kind of the wrong person. <laughs> um, like, my first impression isn't going to be great because of this. So we get there, and Isaac, um, for those of you who don't know Isaac, Isaac's like a super intense guy. Um, but he's like an awesome coach. Um, so I kind of show up, and you can tell he's kind of like, what is this dude doing here, right? Comes up to me. I introduce myself. I say like, Hey, I want to learn weightlifting. Um, ask him my background. I tell him, and you could tell he just kind of didn't have time for me. And he was like, all right, we're snatching. Can you jump in? And I said, well, I mean, I've snatched maybe three or four times at this point. Maybe sure. I can try. And then the guys like started working and then I tried to do it. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. Like you're going to go clean over there. Like, what can you do clean? So I started cleaning and then, then he kind of saw that like I had a background in cleaning. We did a lot with football. Um, and then at that point he was just kind of like, what do you want from this? Like, what do you want to do? And I basically said like, I don't want to not be an athlete yet. And like, I want someone to tell me what to do. Like I want weightlifting to be my new thing. Cause like after football, I was kind of struggling with the idea of like a purpose for lack of a better term. Um, you know, like Rich said, with football, like you devote your life to it. Like there's, you, you eat, sleep and drink football. Like your classes revolve around like you being able to play football. You like your life is just football. And then when football's over, there's this huge void where you think, what do I do now? And I was trying to fill that with like a job or a career. But even at that point, I wasn't ready to stop being an athlete yet. I felt like I still had like some in the tank. Um, I think I was still pretty young. I was like 22 at that point, maybe 21. So I wasn't really ready to like hang up everything yet, throwing the towel on that. So um, when I found weightlifting, it was like, sweet, this can be my new purpose. Like, this is cool. I like this. Let's do this. Um, and then we've been working together ever since. So basically went to a job. A guy was wearing a shirt. I asked him to take me and I almost didn't get to get coached because of it. That's a great story. I know I actually know Isaac, so that that's I not gonna picture exactly how that exchange would have would have went down. So yeah, yeah, it was uh, cool. it was kind of awkward, but it was it worked. It was good. So yeah, I got a question about com coming from football and like a sport where essentially where your your entire job is you know keeping guys in front of you or pushing guys horizontally. How how do you come into weightlifting? And obviously with a like, you know, cleaning background is fine, but how did snatching and jerking go at the start of learning weightlifting when they were everything, rough. everything you've ever done has been horizontal. And now it's like, okay, support this weight overhead in both movements. And that's it. Nothing yeah. happens in front of you. 
it was uh, super rough, and it's still kind of rough. Like, you know, four or five years into it, my weakest lifts are still the snatch and the jerk. Like, right. when I clean and jerk, I'm not worried about missing the clean. I'm worried about the jerk, right? Right. But I remember, like, my first competition, I opened at, like, 100 snatch, and I missed 90 in the back room three times. And, like... It's just what it was. I, like snatching was super hard. Anything overhead was super unreliable because we never did overhead lifts. We would like maybe do a press, and like that's it. And we would do it with like I don't know sub 100 pounds because we all sucked at it. Like football was all squats, uh, cleans, any hip drive, you know, driving with the hips and legs right. was super important. Mm-hmm. Um, bench was super important, but it uh, anything supporting anything yeah. overhead sucked for a very long time. Um, Actually, the first time right. I qualified for nationals, um, I it was a 290 total that I needed to hit. I opened with 110 snatch, and I almost bombed out. I hit clean and jerk 180. I hit 110 on my third snatch attempt, and then hit 180 on my third clean and jerk attempt. So I hit 110, 180 for a 290 total. Um. <laughs> And anytime I tell any weightlifter that, they're just like, what? Like, yeah. how? Why? Why did you do that? Why didn't you snatch, like, 120 at least? Um, and it was because I couldn't. Like, I just couldn't. I I struggled with just the supporting the weight overhead and just knowing how to, like, kind of engage the that muscle group. Well, it's, it's crazy because, like, you know, I've been weightlifting for, I don't know, one, you know, seven, eight, nine years now. And, like... I never think of myself as a strong presser. Like I don't like to press. It's boring. I do it, but I don't really like it. But then you go into like, you know, a gym where people don't press very often and you realize what bad pressing is. Like, Mm. you know what I mean? Like I I don't even press that often. And I, you know, I'd probably outpress, you know, 99% of people just because of that's the way our sport is, is like, we're always in that plane. Yeah. Um, so I can I can definitely see how that would would have been an issue, and all you've ever done is press horizontally. But, yeah. um, but I think it's really cool coming from football, and especially with your mentality of like, you know, always just thinking about wanting to be the hardest worker in the room because, you know, in weightlifting you always you know you always hear about how technical it is and how which is which is definitely true. Um, but I mean, if if you can be well versed enough in the movements. Like, it's still a sport where you can definitely outwork people. Totally. Um, you know, like, you can you can get wildly strong. Um, you can will yourself to, to make lifts that, you know, maybe you haven't made in training that you can make on, make on the platform in competition, whatever it is, um, just with that mentality. And the, and the carryover from, from football to weightlifting in that aspect, I think it's probably, it's probably got to be huge for you um, and with what, with, with what you've done in such a short period of time coming from, from football with, I mean, such minimal experience weightlifting, really. I mean, besides the clean, like you got, you got so much to learn. Like, you know, I, I think people often think about um, the snatch being the most technical, but I've, I've always thought that the jerk is actually the most technical lift. Um, might not get a lot of people to agree with me on that, but I, I'll stand behind that all the time. So really, you, you're, you're coming in, never have done, never have, pardon me, never having done either of the two hardest lifts. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? And then, like, five years later, whatever it is, you're two-time national champ in the super heavy division, which is 
pretty insane. Pretty yeah. cool. Thank you. No, it's uh, it was definitely a learning experience. And one thing I've learned, like with weightlifting, is like for me anyway, I know I can like will my way through a clean and jerk, um, but I can't will my way through a snatch at all. Um, right. And I don't know if that's just a new thing or if that's a consistent thing across the sport, but my approach to a snatch is totally different than my approach to a clean and jerk, like mentally. Um, yeah. Like, I, if anything, I have to like kind of calm down for snatches. Um, right. Where clean and jerks, I kind of have to like take the leash off and kind of hype myself up. And it took me a while to realize that. Like, I was trying to get, get like deadlift hype for snatch when I was missing yeah. like 90 kilos. Yeah. And uh, it just made it worse. Like my I, think, I think that you'd find across the board, like if you ask lifters across the board, you know, where do you want to be at on a scale of one to 10? If, if 10's like, 10's like, you know, fully caffeinated, like, you know, eyes popping, like where do you want to be at in the clean and jerk versus where you want to be at in the snatch? I think you'd find it pretty common to be like, well, you know, I want to be at like a 10 in the clean and jerk and like a three in the snatch. Yeah. Yeah, you totally. Because you, you can't be out there vibrating. It's like it's there's so much less room for error, um, mm. and you know, time precision and, and all that is so much more important. Yeah. Uh, than, than in the clean and So. Yeah, I, I find man, like you can be off by like a foot in the clean and still will it <laughs> your way through it. But like, yeah, you know, maybe just just me. But if I'm off by like a millimeter in the snatch, it's super hard to save it. Like I, just right. destroy my shoulders trying to like save it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, probably goes back to your, you know, your background, right? Yeah. Cause like it's definitely that position is not going to be like super stable, you know, one inch to one inch forward. And that's going to be tough to tough to pull back into place where you see some, you know, kids that have grown up weightlifting, you know, some of those Quebec kids, you, you know, catching it in the bottom and like, you know, it's forward and they're just like on their toes and it's like, settle it back down. It's like, yeah, they just like, like completely just pull it backwards. It's like, man, if I if I tried to do that with just the bar, I would destroy my shoulders. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so what did what was it like for you? Um, you know, you said like, yeah, your first time you qualified for nationals, um, one ten, one eighty, which is like 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 you said, if anyone knows anything about weight, that's a ridiculous a ridiculous split. Yeah. Um, but so how how long after that until? you were all of a sudden competitive and then all of a sudden you're your national champion like that's a, i mean to be back-to-back -back national champion within five years of starting is like pretty pretty wild so i'm assuming things went pretty quickly um from the from the first year to the, the second year third year etc yeah so i actually hit the same total at nationals my first and second year um my first year I went four or five for six and my second year I went two for six. Okay. Um, the super heavyweight category isn't super competitive in Canada. There's, I mean, my first year there was, I think like six or seven guys in the weight class. My second year there was th four guys. Um, third year, I think there was four and last year there was like three. Was so, George, was George still lifting when you started? No, I've never competed against George, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I've always wanted to, but uh, he, I think his last year was like my football last year kind of thing. Okay. Like, I think, I think that's the timeline for it. I've met him. Nice dude. Totally nice. Really, dude. 
really nice. If you guys, if you guys don't know, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Do you, maybe you give it a better shot, Quinn, than me. Kababalatse. Honestly, like I don't know, man. It's it's a it's a mouthful. I want to say it's George Kobalatse, and he's the first Canadian to ever clean and jerk 500 pounds. He yeah. did it at nationals in like 2013, maybe. He clean and jerk 227, so it was pretty cool. Yeah, he holds the Canada records, and he held the Commonwealth record. I think it might have been broken. I'm not sure though, but um, yeah, could be. But uh, yeah, anyways, the the transition to like second year. Um, so first year, we just kind of wanted to go and see what happened. Um, placed fourth, um, and was like one clean and jerk away from the podium, which was like okay, first year, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. Second year, we were like we're on the podium no matter what. Uh, but I still wasn't very good at snatching at that point. Um, we opened at like 130, um, hit it, and then missed my other two snatches. So I went one for three on snatch. And we knew that like I was going to be fourth with whatever total I put up. I could clean and jerk 100 kilos. I was going to be fourth. I could clean and jerk you know, my opener. I was going to be fourth. So we opened with what we were going to open with. It was like 175, I think. Hit it, yeah. put up the total, and I was fourth. And then I remember looking at Isaac and saying, my second attempt is going to be third place. Like, I don't care what it is. Like, I know I can will my way through a clean and jerk. So, like, let's do that. Um, and he said, okay. So I hit my first attempt. And then I waited 25 minutes um, in the back room. Didn't take another attempt because I didn't want to. I was, like, absolutely just like vibrating i was so mad and like hyped up made a 22 kilo jump from 175 to 197 um it was a five kilo pr at that point and i went out and i clean and jerked it but i got called for like press outs um, so i got two reds uh and then we called up to 198 to buy me some time and i went out same thing clean and jerked it but pressed out so it wasn't like a classic go out and, you know, put what you need on the bar and deadlift it. Like you see a lot. In right. It was like this dude actually clean and jerked it. Yeah. Um, so although I put the same total up for two years in a row, it was, you know, four for six Cape. or five for six. And then two Cape, for six Cape. with like a huge swing for the fences. Damn. Right. Capable of much, much more. Now, yeah. I have a question about that. So you, sure. you played football and if you – play a game and you let's say play every game on offense right or every every play on offense right you're getting a lot of repetitions in there so your competition for that day you you might play 50 60 plays or something like that and then you make this huge transition into weightlifting where now you only get six attempts right so like you you cut it down to 10 percent of the amount of time that you are actually competing right and so in football you can have a couple of plays where you mess up, but luckily there's 58 more plays. Weightlifting, on the other hand, if you mess up two times, now you only have four out of six, you know. And and so it's a huge, like, competition mindset change. Did you have any, uh, like, struggles, like, learning how to compete again? Or did you kind of pick up on that and, like, when it was game time, you just did it? Um, I actually kind of preferred that. Um, not so much the, the less attempts, but more so that in football, like if you have a bad play, you've got 11 other guys around you to make sure that, you know, the job still gets done or Mm -hmm. that play and, you know, you still make it happen. But 
Like, you can have an amazing game in football and still lose. Yeah. And you could have a horrible game in football and still win, right? Like, you're basically only as good as the people around you, right? But one thing I really liked about weightlifting was that if I went out and hit a weight, it was me. If I went out and missed a weight, it was me, yeah. right? There was no other variables. There was no other factors. It was just you either hit it or you don't. It's just like you and the bar, right? The old classic saying, right? Um so actually, I kind of, it's a good point with the, the less attempts. Never actually like thought about it that way. Um, but it was definitely a learning curve to realize that like every attempt matters, no matter what. Like yeah. it doesn't, you have to try and salvage anything and everything on the platform. Like there's no, well, there is a second chance and a third chance, but that's it, right? Yeah. Like you don't get to redo a lift. So uh, it took a while, I guess, to get used to acknowledging the fact that you know, every lift matters and it's not about how much you put on the bar, but like actually making the lift, right? Like you don't get, you don't get style points for making a 22 kilo jump and getting two red lights. Right. Right. Yep. You might get some street cred, but like you don't win doing that. Yeah. Right. Very cool. I was very it, curious it, about that. It, yeah. It, it's really cool though. Like talking about every lift matters, like, and you know, I think people out of the sport might not realize that, but like, you know, you miss an opener in the snatch, like, like, it's so psychologically, like, damaging to most lifters to go out and miss an opening snatch of the competition because, like, you either immediately are, like, feeling great about your day and, like, are ready to, like, carry some momentum or it's like, oh, man, like, I've either got to, like, retake this weight or gamble and, like, you know, go up and hit a heavier weight that like i've already missed a lighter weight like it, it really can can get into your head so like like you said you know like even though you you kind of know that your opening weights aren't going to be the ones that matter at the end of the day it's like you need to make those weights yeah so you, you need to make like... those weights to make the comfortable jumps to the weights that do matter right? <laughs> that's right so they all so in turn they all matter right like yeah. there's there's so much momentum that's created on the platform that i don't think people realize like you know, you you could have a, a, a crazy good warm up, and then you go out on the on the competition platform, and you know the the, the knurling on the bar is different, and mm. whatever you know the your sight lines are different, and it's all it's you know what I mean. And some people get spooked with that a little bit, I think, and you know miss a a pretty like, easily makeable opening snatch, and then you see their day like start to unravel pretty quickly. Whereas like you find experienced lifters walk out there, nice comfortable opener, hit it, and then just the momentum just builds and builds, and you can just see like how comfortable they are taking attempt after attempt, and like you know slowly working towards above their you know their training maxes or whatever it might be. But like it all gets set up by those by those opening lifts and and making lifts, not not going out there and just like, well I'm just gonna open that you know my my heaviest ever and whatever, and you know you miss it once, like it it all comes crashing down on you so yeah, yeah there's definitely cool. uh, a huge like mental aspect to weightlifting too and you see a lot of people's like head case side come out um oh, yeah. in that right so this is something i find really interesting about strength sports is for example in football if you have a bad practice you just have a bad practice and you come back the next day and you try and have a better one right there's no there's it's a hard to like gauge where you're at like developing wise or like athletically or skill wise compared to where you were like two days ago, like mentally right. just recalling, but with strength sports and weightlifting every day, 
you literally give yourself like a numerical value, right? Like it's it, strength sports is really cool because you know your your progress is all numbers. Your your how you did that day is a number, right? So it's it's very easy to get caught up in saying like, man, this time last year I was you know snatching this, and now I'm not even snatching that. Like, what's going on? But like in team sports and football and anything that isn't like strength related, you don't think that way. You just think like, how do I get better at this? Or like, oh, I got smoked this play. What can I do differently? How can I get better at my reads? Things like that. Where in weightlifting, it's very easy to kind of like, like hit yourself with numbers and values. And, and you know, every day is measured like numerically. And you can easily right. put yourself like on a graph based on all your other days yeah like mentally so um i find that really interesting about strength sports and it actually brings out a lot of the head case side of people well it's cra like it's crazy right like you 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 know you have a, a wild day in training and you know you you hit a you know a pr triple in a snatch at like let's say whatever 92 percent of your best single mm -hmm. and you're thinking like i tripled this weight and then you know four months later you're missing that lift for singles in training and yeah. in your head you're like okay how do i leave here being like i know i'm like no i'm not worse than i was yeah. six months ago but yet like you know today lift triple to go and like trying to overcome continue to show up and still continue to work is like i think a lot of people don't don't in this sport because of that reason yeah, I agree. I think uh, weightlifting is a very like difficult sport and you hear a lot of the people that have been in the game for a long time say that. And anyone that comes into the sport is like, yep, I know I'm good. Like I'm good with the yeah. gruelingness. But then, you know, you work like a year and hitting 98% is like a good day, right? Or, you know, like you said, the example you said, you triple 92% and you think, okay, like next week or two weeks from now, like I have a max one day, like I have to PR. Like, yeah. Like on a graph, if you plot it, I will PR, right? Yeah. And then you don't because you think about how you should PR instead of actually just focusing on the lift and the task right. at hand. Um, and I like, I totally agree with like that really weighs down on people over time. Just like, and I, I think it, it all roots back to just like being able to put a numerical value on your performance that day. Yeah, man, hundred percent. It's like, it's, uh, I mean, and, and no one's immune to it. It's just like yeah. a matter of, of, uh, learning, learning to like be okay with it. And, you know, like, you know, today wasn't my day. That's okay. I'm going to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to get back to work tomorrow. And then like, you know, sometimes you catch lightning on days that you, you don't feel good mm -hmm. and you come in, you come in and, and leave with the opposite result, right? Where you're like, you're like, oh man, like not feeling training, like I'm just beat up, whatever. And then all of a sudden the, the bar feels empty all day for you. It's like, it's, yep. some, sometimes it doesn't really matter what you're feeling or whatever, because it's like, just got to just be, be there consistently like day after day after day after day. Trust what you're doing, trust your coach, whatever it is. And like, hopefully you can you know head in the right direction but like it's it's incredibly grueling mentally to try and do that for years and years and years and years like i mean not only mentally but but also physically like the body takes a, a brutal beating 
Yeah. And I think, I think a big part of it too, is like learning how to like, for lack of a better term, put your, put your ego aside. Like if you're having a bad day, just write it off as a bad day and come yeah. back the next day. It's okay to have a yeah. bad day. Like every, it's, it's not this, right. It's no. not linear. Right. So, um, it's One okay to have a bad day where, I mean, like I, I have zero experience. I came into CrossFit having absolutely no idea about either the clean and jerk or the snatch. And, um, you look at it with a blind eye and it's like, no, like you grip the bar, you want to be really strong and like you rip it off the ground. Right. And then you start, it's, I'm working with Dave and he can pick apart and it's stuff I wouldn't even think about. I mean, he's looking at, I can't even catch it. Like my, my toes and the, the bar path and just like, you know, how I'm bending it. I mean, you, it, the list goes on and on, but stuff that I would, wouldn't even think of. And it just makes such a difference in, in both lifts. I mean, it's so technical that um, people don't understand. Yeah, I, I remember my first year or two weightlifting um, and people were like all about the hook grip videos, right? They were watching the slow-mo hook grip videos and they were like, man, look how beautiful this is. And I would look at it and I'd just think the dude snatched. Like, I, I don't know what I'm looking at. Like the that was a clean and jerk. That was a snatch. Cool. Like I, I can like, do you want to film me slow-mo doing it? Like, I don't really see a difference, but like now I'm like, wow, like this, like X, Y, and Z was really great. Like he's over the bar. Like he got full extension. Like he rips under the bar, um, you know, things like that. But I remember my first year, like Isaac showing me how he wanted me to snatch with like a hooker video. And I was like, dude, I don't know what I'm looking at. Like th there's just, <laughs> there's just a big dude snatching. Like, can I go train now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Guidance guidance in weightlifting is super super important. If you don't have that guidance to help teach you, cuz like you said you didn't know what you were doing, like you don't like you're looking at this and you know what do you do? Like some some people can like watch a video and then do it and you know props to them. And others, you know, just need that help. Like it's not it's not as easy for some people and you know, I think all of us at some point have you, need you the help from a coach. You need guidance in whatever you're doing. I mean, if you want to be serious about it, and it's pretty cool how yes. it worked out for Quinn. I mean, he stumbled across a dude in a t-shirt, went to the gym, and now he's a national champion, right? Mm -hmm. Like, pretty cool story. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, like, kudos for Isaac for not just like shooing me away that one day for being like some random dude that just showed up at his gym and expected to train. But um, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, I find that's the, the not only the biggest thing is like finding like a reliable coach that will invest in you, but I see it the other way around too, is like finding athletes that aren't as invested as coaches. Yeah. hundred um, percent. And, and my coach is the same way. Like, uh, it, it's funny seeing new people come to our gym, which would be like a similar situation to you. And like, you know, probably wouldn't have nearly the, you know, the credentials that you would have had like the as far as like athletics you know at least you came in you know played professional football like university football like but when guys come in guys girls come into our gym like my coach doesn't typically care um what they've done in the past mm. and doesn't even really care how skilled they are to begin with and it's it's pretty funny the way he um basically treats them for about two weeks as if it's almost like a test period where like he coaches them, but is like almost like indifferent to what they want. And then it'll be like, if they keep showing up, 
he'll slowly start to get more and more invested, right? Like, because he said he doesn't want to put his time into someone who's going to get frustrated in the third session and be like, oh, this is really hard. And then yeah, leave. Forget he's, it. And yeah. he's, he's, he's old, old school. You know what I mean? Like, so he just doesn't care. Like, it's, he's not there to, like, make a million dollars or whatever it is. So, like, yeah, people come in and it's like, oh, hey, like, like grab the bar, you know, put a wide grip on it, put it over overhead. You know, like just super like cold face to them, like blah, blah. And if they can hack it and they want to learn, it's like he'll he'll teach you and like you'll learn how to weightlift. But like you have to be like you said, like they you got to meet halfway. It's not like I'm going to go out of my way to like spend this two hour session with you if I don't even know if you really care or you just thought it was cool because some guy did it in China on hook grip video. And like you want to do that. But it's like like. A, you'll you'll never do that. It's like B, like you need to love like these terrible, terrible training sessions that we're that we're going to be going through. Yeah, that's one thing I've kind of seen consistent with like the really good coaches I've had across like sports and strength conditioning and just athletics in general is that like you have to earn their attention and their investment in you, and that's something I really like about working with Isaac is like you got to earn his eye you have to earn his like you have to like show him respect and earn it and then once you're show him that you're willing to earn it he's all in right yeah 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 really cool that i think that's how it should be if you it, that can get really emotionally draining if every athlete that walks in is you know your new best friend and then like you know every one third of them just leaves you you know, like that can get very, very emotionally draining. You know, you kind of have to be separated until you know that they'll stick around. You know, our uh, one of our football coaches, um, actually a couple of them at Mount A, had a theory. This word for word, ninety-five percent of people are shitty, and that was just yep. them relating. Because at Mount A, like, and I don't know about other football programs, but we had a huge turnover rate in rookies and second years like i came in my first year with a class i think of like 35 or 40 guys my graduating class there was like three of us from that original class just from people dropping out transferring quitting football whatever like turnover rate's huge so coaches won't even give you the time of day until you actually like earn it and maybe that's just a football thing but they they literally said everyone is guilty until proven innocent. Like you're shitty until you, sh until you prove otherwise. So 95% of people are shitty. And that was the model they had with coaching new guys. Yeah. Right. I don't, I, I don't totally disagree with that. Like at all. Like, I mean, you see it all the time. It's like people say like, it, you know, they say they want to train hard. They say they want to do things. And then it's like, you know, you, you write training for them or whatever it is. And then, then you've got every excuse in the book on why they couldn't get training done that day mm. and it's like well yeah i mean it sounds cool to say that you want to be good at football or it sounds cool to say you want to be good at crossfit but like do you know what it takes to be good at football or to be good at crossfit like it's, it's not easy <laughs> like yeah, you know, it's, it's not easy yeah it, it's gonna be like often oftentimes and especially and even weightlifting like especially it's like probably more bad days than good days like by a lot you know like yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the grind of training and like, I just love getting beat up, but like, uh, I can't say that more than 50% of the time I walk out of the gym being like, I'm super pumped with that session. Mm. Like, 
you know, 50% of the time I'm walking out being like, oh man, like what lawn in there? Like, got to get back at it tomorrow. Like just, you know, it's not, it's not like, oh, you know, had a bad day once a week, I'll get through it. It's like, it's a lot of bad days. And yeah. maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's, you know, me being hard on myself, but I think that's probably pretty consistent with a lot of, a lot of people in strength sports in general. I think a big important that, or a big, um, like important thing in athletics and progressing in athletics is like the simple task of goal setting, like mm -hmm. set a long-term goal and then work backwards. Um, right. you know, give yourself milestones or like KPIs and like thresholds to pass. And if you don't think you're going to be where you want to be this time in a month or this time in a year, you think, what can I do differently to get there? Mm -hmm. right. um, what, what goals in specific? Cause like you can say like, I want to take third place at this competition, but that has variables that you can't control, like other people doing really well. Like, would you recommend making goals for you? Like, I want to be able to hit a 500 pound clean and jerk, like goals that you can control. But if you have that goal of, I want to win the CrossFit games or I want to be world champion, like other things can happen, you know? What yeah, I think there's like, there's variables in, in pretty much everything, right? And obviously, like when you're competing, other people have the potential to do well. and. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember in Winnipeg, like in, in CFL, like if you got beat, like if you just plainly got beat by a guy who was good, it was like there was just it was OK. Like it's not, you don't you want to avoid it, but they would say this guy is also a professional athlete. Like this guy also gets paid to do his job. You're going to win some and you're going to lose some. And that's OK. Right. Like when you get to a certain level, it's not always about winning every single thing. Right. Yeah. It's it's about like getting better. That whole thing of like you guys seen that graph where it shows like one percent better every day and it, it grows exponentially and it shows like one percent worse every day and it like yeah. decreases exponentially. It's the same thing. Right. So yeah. I recommend, I guess, like both. So have personal goals like, you know, where I want to squat, like what I want to squat in a year, um, you know, what I want to weigh anything. Right. Mm -hmm. But then also have like, I guess, career goals. So I want to win CrossFit games or I want to win nationals or I want a podium. Right. Um, and just take your steps back, like work backwards from that point. And it's okay to think it's okay to get to a point where you think I'm actually not good enough to reach this goal this year. Like I want to push it to next year. Yep. And what do I do differently next year than what I did this year to get there? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's all about that. like, it's all about progress. Right. And, Progress is progress, whether it's like a one kilo PR, 20 kilo PR, or just like, you know, getting close to it, right? You know, it, yeah. if your shoulder, like my shoulder bugs me all the time. Um, and there's some weeks where, you know, snatches just don't go well because of it. And if the next week snatches go well, that's progress to me, right? Like it, progress is progress, regardless of how big or little. Just like really Dave said, you said it small improvements sorry say that again that just like dave has told me just it's just constant never-ending small improvements totally and over time right yep mm -hmm. yeah there was a wetmore the the crazy old school coach i had in high school and he had um this honestly i don't know how to say the word i'm gonna butcher it um kazen and it I, basically, I yeah, principles, yeah, yeah, it meant uh, constant and never ending improvement. And like, I kind of just based my whole athletic career on that, totally. which is 
you know, progress is progress. It's just you want it to be constant and never ending. The second you stop improving, you actually get worse. And also viewing it as like those failures, those failures that you have in the gym, like you miss whatever, you have a horrible day, it doesn't go as planned. That doesn't need to be a negative. Like that can be that you have, that can be viewed as a positive and there's points to take away from that and that's a win. Right. Totally. Totally. Like, for example, the the year I made that 22 kilo jump at nationals, like that wasn't necessarily a loss. Like we placed fourth. We didn't achieve what we wanted to go like to achieve when we went. But I learned that that's when I kind of learned that, okay, every lift matters. And that's when I really started to focus about, you know, making 100 percent of my lifts and training instead of like missing a bunch of warm ups and hitting a good weight. It was all about like the warm-up weights and making everything the same and actually hitting all of them. And if I hit a rep that I didn't like, I would redo the set regardless of the weight on the bar. And you left that competition with more experience and as a better athlete in the end, right? Totally, yeah. So, like, I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve, but, like, I learned from it. Um, so, progress, right? Progress, progress, progress. 100%. Yeah, I love I love story, too, because I, uh, I relate to it so closely when this past year in Montreal at the map, I had to wait an insane amount, just the way it all shook out. I had already locked up third and I would ha- was having to make this huge, huge jump in the clean inter to attempt for attempt a lift for a silver. And, you know, same thing, 20 plus minutes, didn't take a single lift in between, you know, looked at my coach and he's like, you don't need to do anything. He's like, you're ready. It was like, you know, a lift I'd, I'd never even cleaned within eight kilos of before. Mm. Never mind clean and jerked. You know mm. what I mean? Waited 20 some odd minutes, went out there and like legitimately pulled it so high that it like crunched me because I just thought there's no way <laughs> that I'm going to clean that I'm going to clean this. You know what I mean? Next thing I know, it's like, you know, I could have power cleaned it. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, I, I, I left there thinking like, so I made, I ended up standing it up. I can, you know, I've got a, enough leg strength that it's same as you. I can clean terribly and, and stand up. It's the jerk that's the issue. So like I kind of blacked out in the jerk and had no chance, but like still left there thinking like, wow, like, you know, I attempted a clean and jerk essentially ice cold, eight, eight kilos more than I'd ever cleaned in my life and like could have easily cleaned it. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, since that, since that happened, I was like, okay, like, I think I'm capable of a lot more than I give myself credit for in like, in a, in a, like a, basically a crucial situation. Right. And, um, and it was just like a real eye opener, especially like I'd already had a really, you know, good, good relationship with my coach. I've been with, with him for, you know, eight, nine years, but like, especially after that, I was like, okay, like I'll just do what, like, I don't have to ever think for myself ever. Like Mm. you just call the number and I'll go and, do it because like i you know he's not he's like i'm never gonna give you a weight that i don't think you can do so like mm. you know after that happened i was like this is this is pretty cool even though i missed and you know ended up third but like you know I, sure. I really like i, I almost I, I i talked to rich after it happened and i said like you know like i had won uh at the pan american games for masters but like wasn't it really in a battle and just kind of like lifted well and I actually felt better about losing at the Worlds, but the, the way the competition happened, I was like, I learned more and I felt better about myself and about the effort there than than when I won. So like, I, I was like, it doesn't like the result is cool, but like, 
there's there's a lot more to be had than just like coming home with a medal or whatever whatever it is that right because like you know next year year after whatever it is so totally yeah, i love, I love yeah, hearing that story from you you know in that moment like is, is this guy crazy like what <laughs> like what what am i doing here like i'm taking like a you know a 16 kilo jump and i'm like i i don't know what's happening and yeah sure enough it's like that was the thing to do you know yeah um a couple points on that is uh some people just don't realize they need to be pushed and you can't tell them that they need to be pushed you just need to like show them they need to be pushed mm -hmm. so for example looking back to like that 5rm with rich um that we did at Mount A. Like, I knew he could squat way more than what he was squatting. Um, I knew he was just like, I don't know, hesitant or nervous or didn't think he could, but like, just said, throw it on the bar, do it. Like, you can do it. Just, there's no getting out of it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people need that push just to, to like, really believe they can. Um, yeah. And there's a totally different, like, it's totally different, like, how it feels and how it looks. Um, Isaac constantly tells this cue anytime there's like a heavy lift someone's going after it's like it doesn't matter how it feels in your hand like it doesn't matter how it feels in your hands it's gonna feel heavy like that's fine but like you can do it and I put like my full trust yeah, in Isaac <laughs> yeah exactly right like the goal is to put weight on the bar like it's gonna be heavy um so this is one thing like I put my full trust in Isaac like he <laughs> calls yeah, supposed to be heavy <laughs> yeah he he calls whatever he wants in we talk about our openers a little bit in the game plan and then in competition he just calls whatever um i'm cool with him calling him whatever uh he usually checks in with me we kind of have a similar game plan going into it um but there's like the back room of weightlifting is like a huge game of poker things change you know by the second so having to consult with an athlete based on what they're going to go after every 20 seconds 30 seconds it kind of doesn't really work um so i put my full faith in oh, isaac yeah. with like coach with a uh, number calling and he constantly tells me and i don't know if this is just a me thing but like he says i'm always like 10 kilos heavier or 10 kilos stronger on the platform than i am in training and that's just the edge of competition the the adrenaline from competition is like i'm always capable of doing more in a competition than i am in training um and maybe that's just a me thing, but he he's always on board to to call whatever. And he's always, you know, for the most part, game to like go up. But he'll always come over to me and be like, do you want this? And if he comes over and asks me if I want to go up or if I want to wait, the answer is always yes. I don't think I've ever said no. Let's go less weight. It's always yes. Like, you know, always go big for me. But right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. It's fun. It's it's I love it, man. Uh, a huge moment for me, like, I yeah. think that ties into everything we've been talking about, like, learning from your mistakes, not being afraid to make mistakes. Um, when I finally started, uh, like, when I was playing football and I finally started a couple of games, um, I sat down and had some, had film with our defensive coordinator, and he was like, we're watching, and, like, I've making a couple of plays, but, like, it's obvious that I'm, like, playing timid, just, like, watching myself play, and he's like, He's like, it's okay to make mistakes. He's like, I know you're going to make a mistake. That's fine. It's like, just stop holding back. Like, I'd rather you go out there and like try to make the play and miss some of the times than like always play it safe and never make a play. 
and like he's like like don't worry like i'm not gonna bench you for trying to make a play and it's finally just like clicked with me and like, the next game i was like yeah just like stop worrying and and trying to play it safe just go for it and yeah. just like i felt like the next game was like my best game of football i ever played i just like stopped thinking and just like let my instincts take over it was amazing you also yeah. ran into my back probably like five or six times that game but, uh, <laughs> um yeah, I remember that. Like that was his philosophy was make your mistakes going 100 miles an hour. Like making a mistake going 100 miles an hour is better than not making a mistake going 25 miles an hour. It was just all attack, 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 make a decision and go with it and then reflect afterwards. Mm-hmm. Especially in football. Yeah. yeah, especially in football. Yeah. Yeah. I think we might have lost Dave there. Yeah, Dave's a little frozen. Yeah. Uh, we don't need them. Uh, so Quinn, you talked about uh, like first year at national, second year, uh, your third and your fourth year, um, you won. Um, I don't know if you want to quickly talk on that, or then and then maybe breathe into going to like. It looks good though. What does it look? Uh, what does it look like? Obviously, like once we're past this pandemic, what does it look like competing like internationally for you? Is that like the next step for you, going to some bigger stages? Um. Yeah, so I guess, uh, oh, we lost him. Um, so I, I guess, like, third year, um, we went in with the, the idea, just win. That was it. Um, we opened one kilo heavier than the guy we thought we were going to be competing against the most, and we were one kilo heavier on, on Snatch, and then in Clean and Jerk, all we did was just match whatever he did. We didn't try and break any PRs. We didn't try and, you know, set any new records. We didn't make huge jumps. It was just win. That was the goal, right? Put whatever on the bar, win, but be smart about it. Have a strategy. And we won by one kilo, right? So, but that's all you need to win. Like a point is a point, a kilo is a kilo, you know, winning is winning. Um, so that was the goal third year. And then when we started to get into my fourth year, we kind of thought, okay, like, let's look at going international. Like, let's try for Pan Am and all these other competitions. And um, we ended up going to uh, Vegas and an international open, and I bombed out my first ever competition, international comp. So bombed out, and then, and I was hoping to use that as a Pan Am qualifier that year. So I bomb out. And I don't have a Pan Am total. And like three weeks later, there's a competition in Montreal. And I go and try and qualify for Pan Ams. Uh, I hit the qualifier. I qualify for Pan Ams. I go to Pan Ams, have like my best competition to date. Um, and then come back for nationals. And the thought process then was, okay, we don't want to just win by one kilo. Like we want to win like uncontested. Um, I didn't hit, I went like three for six, um, didn't hit very many lifts, but like still won, I think by like eight or 10 kilos, like still, still won. Um, and then we are under the impression that I'd qualified for worlds, um, which were in Thailand at the end of the year. But, uh, there was like an admin mess up. Like I, I was good to go on the, the Canada weightlifting like markers, but the IWF has certain markers you have to hit and they're based off of the winner's total from the previous year. 
and the guy in my weight class who won is like male lifter of the year, like set the world records, Lasha. He's like the best male weightlifter arguably right now. So my marker like shot up because of it, just because of this one guy being really good. So I didn't actually get to go to worlds because of it. Um, Does that mean just like less people then can qualify for those competitions? Yeah. Because that's where you see like, like for some reason, whatever weight class, like there's only three or four athletes there just because only that many people in the world can meet those like prerequisites. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's main. I think that marker is just for worlds. Um, I might be wrong on that, but uh, for whatever reason, that competition, I couldn't go because I, I needed a 356 total and I had a 353. Yeah. Super annoying, right? Like uh, three kilos. Wow. So. No, no. So I have to weigh over 109 kilos, which is like 240 pounds. Does it make sense? You want to be as heavy as you can, correct? Like, uh, kind of. So we actually played around with that uh, a couple of years ago. We yeah. noticed that, you know, when my body weight goes up, I get stronger, right? I can move more weight. Mass moves mass, right? Yeah. So I was up to like man like almost 350 it's the biggest i've ever been i was a thick dude right yeah and yeah. my clean and jerks my squats were all amazing right like they they were easy numbers were going through the roof i was moving weight no problem it was great i was eating like a mccain's deep and delicious cake every night after dinner like life was good man. living the life but i couldn't snatch like <laughs> I, I was too big personally like i don't know if i was just too fat or what but like snatching went down down the pipes and snatching was already an issue for me so we were like all right let's find this sweet spot of weight mm -hmm. which we found is where i'm at now which is like 320 325 is like sweet spot between like clean and jerk being strong and being able to get in the proper positions and you know move fast and athletically right. on snatch and maybe that'll change down the road but um I found like there was one point where I was under 300 and uh, like squatting sucked, clean and jerking sucked, but snatching was great. So it's all about finding that, that middle ground for me personally, anyways. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, yeah, moving into the, the fourth year of nationals, it was to, to win uncontested. Yeah. I would was, say like the bigger you get, I mean, your mobility is probably going to, Start lacking. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, going into the, the fourth year, it was you know win uncontested at nationals, and then it was um, you know try and go to worlds. Didn't go to worlds. Ended up going to like a ripoff worlds. It was the San Diego Open. It was tied with like masters, some masters competition put on on put on by USAW. Like I entered the international open part of it. And every men's weight class in the International Open fit in one session. So, like, there was 13 or 14 men who entered the International Open total. There was two guys in my weight class, me and a guy from Guatemala. I beat him. And I got an international gold medal. <laughs> but it was like, it was like at a, a, a competition nobody went to, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did that. And then this that brings us to... 
this year. So I competed in Rome in January. Wow. At, uh, it was the like an Olympic qualifier competition. Did um, you uh, get COVID? Pretty much, yeah. Like, I don't know if I actually had COVID, but I was sick, dude. I was super sick. So it was actually in Rome probably like a month before all this COVID stuff happened. Um, and I was sick going over there. Uh, so I had like flu-like symptoms when I traveled over there. And then the night before I competed, I had um, like the cold sweats. I was having like four or five hot showers a day to like try and raise my, like to not have be cold, um, to try and sweat it out. Like it sucked, dude. I was coughing up a lung in the back room in a garbage can in between warm-up attempts. And I actually almost bombed out. Um, I hit my third clean and jerk attempt and uh, didn't bomb out. But yeah, that was the, the most recent competition I did. And uh, I guess now moving forward with COVID, I'm just like training in my garage. Um, I have like half an inch of clearance overhead when I snatch. And when I jerk, I actually have to uh, like shortchange them. Like I'll catch it in a split or a power position and then I just like drop it because I can't actually stand it up. Yeah. But I guess like I guess like moving forward, um like to compete internationally is always the goal and I've I've done that, but I guess to actually be more competitive internationally is the next goal. Like not come dead last or second last or third last. It's you know, let's try and get within reach of the podium at some of these international comps like Pan Ams, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, with the season coming up now, what what are you doing? Are you, are you ramping up for anything in specific? Like, do you have like a six month time frame where you're like, okay, like we're gonna take a deload month and we're gonna focus on form, or like what what is your future right now with weightlifting? We don't know. So I'd made the Pan Am team as an alternate. Um, we were hoping to maybe do another international competition in the fall. Um, after, you know, the whole Olympic cycle ended. Um, but now everything's changed. Everything's getting rescheduled, like, yeah. to next January at the earliest. Like, there's a Worlds in January. I think, like, no one really knows what's going on right now. We don't know when yeah. we're going to compete next or where we're going to compete next or against who. So we're just training right now. We're doing yeah. lots of volume um, and just... You know, lifting weights, honestly, just to put it bluntly, like the I'm sure Isaac has this grand plan, but I don't know, man. I just do what my program says. I open my program every day, do what it says and, uh, you know, try and do more weight than what he, he has written down if it's feeling good. Yeah. Do you actually do that? Do you do you do more um, weight than if what your coach says, <laughs> if you're feeling good? Uh, sometimes. So okay. I kind of know. So if I was training with him, so usually we I train. Uh, with the team and he's there watching everyone i ask to go up if i'm yeah. gonna go up um on weight that's not prescribed and usually the answer is yes but it's only ever if it's like all the other sets look and feel good yeah like if i have working sets at you know i don't know 80 percent, and all the 80 percents look like jokes then he usually gets me to go up before the end right yeah um but I find like if I'm feeling good and I push the envelope, like it really, it, it it's fun for me mm -hmm. if I push that envelope, but you got to do it like in a respective way. You can't yeah. just 
say, oh, that one set was easy of my eight working sets. I'm going to go up. Yeah. You have to say, no, like sets one through five felt really good and really strong. I'm going to push it for, you know, six, seven, eight. Last three. Right. Yeah. Not, not be greedy and just, you know, take days as they go. Cause we find like, if I'm feeling really good, we kind of got to ride the wave. And if I'm feeling bad, you know, or things aren't feeling good, we kind of have to put our egos aside and cut our losses that day and do things that do feel good or, you know, yeah. work on something else. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one thing that I've always had. Um, when I was younger, like I, I was just a fire breather. I just wanted to beat my body to crap and I wanted yeah. to just suffer. Right. And you know, whether that meant, I, I remember one time my coach Travis, uh, when I first started out, I, uh, got home from school and I got out of school early cause I had like a, uh, a study hour and I would just always leave cause they didn't care. And so I yeah, leave, who needs go, to study? go home. Who needs to study? Yeah. You know, not in high school. I took pretty easy classes, so I, I didn't have to. Uh, but with that, I went home and I deadlifted and I, I went crazy and I shot my CNS. And then I went to Tundra, my, my gym CrossFit Tundra, and it was a workout with snatches and then like a hard metabolic workout. And when we were snatching, and we were just holding a position, just holding the hang, hang snatch. And I was doing that and I was shaking because I couldn't, you know, like I, just the bar was making me shake because I was so tired. And my coach mm. had to say like, hey man, like you need to, you need to like chill, bro. Like just, it's okay to take some rest and you know, just hit the Metcon, don't, don't do the weightlifting. And it's always like a fine line of like, how much should I do, you know, and how, when is the time to unleash this during training if you're feeling good and as as i progress as an athlete i've kind of learned and now whatever dave writes i do it doesn't matter like i i i do it i don't go up i don't go down i do what dave says and i go home and i don't think about it because like again like if i get into that habit of you know like doing all my training and then a buddy says hey you want to hit this metcon it's like yeah i do Let's do it, you know, and then, and then, you know, oh, let's just do this gymnastics piece. And then it's, you know, just too much volume. And then I'm shot for a week. You know, it's always a fine line. Yeah. I find too with, uh, like me and Isaac have pretty good communication and I find with his programming, I've seen enough of it that I know what the, I guess the goal of the day is. So if mm-hmm. you can understand what your coach is trying to get you to achieve in your day to day programming you can really push that one thing, right? So um, generally in my workouts, there's like um, a goal or like a purpose of the workout, which Mm -hmm. is usually the second or third exercise. Maybe there's two. Um, First exercise, usually like a primer for it. So it's like a a lightweight focusing on the technique, working working into the primer um, for the actual lift or the purpose or the goal of um, that workout or that session. And then, you know, the next or exercise or two is the ones you that for me like i kind of somewhat have the okay to push if things are looking good and feeling good yeah now like it's different with this covid thing right so um i've only ever trained with isaac like in person it's very rare that i train and he's not there yeah so i always ask can i go up can i go yes. up? can i do this like this is feeling good and he's usually quick to say that looks really easy what are you supposed to do and I'll say what I'm supposed to do. And he says, okay, like do this and this and then go up. Mm-hmm. Right. So doing this COVID thing, it's a little different because I kind of have to like make my own judgment calls on it. Yeah. But 
I think he trusts me enough and I know what he's trying to accomplish in the run of a day and uh, that, you know, he's okay with me pushing the numbers and pushing the envelope if it's feeling good and looking good. Yeah. Right. Um, so like today, for example, um, he actually FaceTimed in for our training session and things were not feeling good, but like I pushed through and then I ended up PRing on my power snatch today. Um, we were actually doing heavy power snatch doubles. Um, and I pushed the weight on that and I matched my double PR. Mm -hmm. And then he said, take, you know, take five kilos more and do it for a single. So like he's, he's okay being adaptive and, you know, pushing those, those certain points of, uh, the workout. And I'm okay with it too. So it's, we work well hand in hand that way. And it's, again, it loops back to understanding what your coach is trying to achieve both long-term and short-term and working towards that and like pushing certain things that are okay to be pushed and not pushing the things that aren't okay to be pushed. Like, for example, today I had like wide stance, good mornings. Like I'm not going to push that. Yeah. Who, who in the right mind would want to push that, right? <laughs> Um, if anything, yeah. I want I want to tone that down, right? Like those suck. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, I think I think uh, just knowing what your coach is trying to achieve, and that comes in with like communicating and being able to be open with your coach and have them be open with you and trust, right? Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Yeah. I think uh, that was great. Thanks yeah. for coming on, Quinn. Yes. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Sorry yeah. uh, we lost two guys in the middle of it, but... Nah, um, we don't need We always lose miles. Yeah, we always, <laughs> yeah. I, don't th I think it's a tradition now. Quinn, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Your mic setup is amazing. I, thanks, I, man. I'm actually like a super nerd, so I yeah. got my... I actually have a green screen behind me, so... Fuck um, yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm a big gamer nerd, so... Miles, yeah. miles is out. Quinn, you're in. Do you stream? <laughs> do, you, do you stream? Uh, I used to, actually. Yeah, I used to, I used to stream on Twitch. I did it... A bunch uh i was actually did it for almost two years yep um, pretty consistently yeah, yeah every weekend man every yeah. every friday saturday sunday and did, then uh, did you um did you get a following at all or was it kind of yeah, just for fun actually i i started out just for fun and then it, i ended up getting i almost broke 100 subs nice. nice i uh i was at 96 that was my ultimate peak and then um good for you it, I, I realized that if I wanted to get any better with it, I would have to sink more time into it. Yes. Like streaming, once you get your foot in the door, it's very like time. Twitch, yeah. Twitch is it, unforgiving. It's a huge investment. Like it's huge time investment. And I realized that like when streaming was going good, training wasn't. And when yes. training was going good, streaming wasn't. So it's was like, okay, obviously I have to pick one here. Like I can't really do both to the level I want to. Yeah. Um, no, and it just worked out well in the time I ended up stopped streaming and and uh, around August, yeah. but uh, but yeah, it's uh, I miss it, man. It's fun, but yeah, I used to stream, and I've got like the three monitor set up here. And yeah, what was your the, game of choice? What did you play? I, I played WoW, man. I love WoW. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, cool. played a lot of WoW. Yeah. Cool. Nice. I've always been a first-person shooter guy. That's what I grew I, up on. I was too, man. I played uh, big into Halo, huge into Halo two back in the day. Um, I loved all. I loved. CODs, I played like CODs, Black Ops, all the way through to Advanced Warfare, and then I just like stopped. Yeah. Uh, picked up the new COD, played that a bit. Played some CS for a bit. Um, yep. CS but, is good. Uh, yeah, WoW was just home, man. 
Yeah. But, uh, I played it way back when in high school and no lifed it and then picked it up again after college when I could afford a gaming rig. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I never, I never got into world of Warcraft cause I, I was too young. Um, honestly, it's probably a good thing. Like, yes, no, I'm, yeah. I have the addictive personality and I, everything in my life would come to a crashing halt if I started playing. Wow. Oh um, yeah. It's, it, it's way less time sucking now than it was back when it came out. But yeah, man, I remember just sitting down to play for an hour and five hours go by and you think what just happened? Yeah. Like a time warp. Just like that yeah. happened five hours. Yeah. 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 Uh, Man, if you well, if you like CS:GO, um, Valorant just came out. It's a great game if you want to play that. Um, Valorant is a really, really good game. It's very CS:GO-esque. So yeah, I've been watching uh, some streams and watching people play. It looks uh, looks pretty fun. Yeah. Do you do you watch any uh, gaming YouTubers? Uh, not really. I, I mainly watch uh, just a few streamers. I have like a bunch that I follow and just kind of flick between them. If anything, if I watch anything on YouTube, it's like stream highlights, just because. Okay. I recommend if you want to watch someone, Doctor Disrespect. Do you oh, know I, love, that is? I love the doc. Yeah, the man. doc man. Yeah. He is my jam, dude. He's funny as fuck. Dude. Yeah, he's pretty funny. Hey Ryan. Yeah. Is this better? I'm on a laptop now. It is very good. I I, I appreciate this a lot. Yeah, dude. This is awesome. How about these, how about these glasses? Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I have my glasses just over here. Um. Yeah, man, Doc, Rich. If you don't know the Doctor Disrespect, he he has a just a caterpillar mustache. It's absolutely disgusting. I love it. And then he wears a a black mullet. He calls it the steel curtain or something like that. And uh, he it is he wears this and he games in sunglasses. Like he has this whole persona about him where he's, he's good and he's good. That's that's yeah. the scary part is he's in fucking sunglasses and this guy's what's he play. Uh, a lot of shooters. Shooter. Yeah, he he actually developed, helped develop um, Call of Duty: Advanced Warfare. Um, he he made a bunch of the maps, but uh, yeah, he he's like the biggest one of the biggest streamers on Twitch. He may be the biggest streamer now on Twitch because a couple of their biggest guys left for Mixer. But uh, like, if just look up Doctor Disrespect highlights, and he he turns someone who's not a gamer into someone where you'll just watch his streams and you'll be like, okay, like. I'll watch this guy. Yeah. Like he bridges the gap between nerd and regular audience, and he's able to do it. It's it's crazy. The His dunk. whole persona too is like, he's like this ex-athletic god yep. who plays basketball, uh, who plays video games now, and he uh, he's like, oh, what's up, Ricky? Ricky, what's up? Hi, Ricky. Um, and he's like. His saying is that he's like the back-to-back like 1998, 1999 like blockbuster champ, video and, game champion. Yeah, he's yeah. just like this washed-up dude, but also like a badass. I don't know. He's super funny to watch. Yes, he's he's so good. His his oh, sticks, yeah. his sticks. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Ricky? Alex, I see you all the time. I haven't seen Quinn in like four five years. <laughs> right, How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Good. You know, just talking and stuff. Cool. Yeah. Cool. To the pod. To talk. I assume we're not recording. Oh, we no. are. We are. Sorry, I didn't stop. <laughs> I didn't stop. If people right. want to hear us talk about gaming stuff, they can. So, yeah. But um, yeah. Anyways, thanks for having me, guys. It was uh, it was fun, and you know. Yeah, man. I'm I... uh, I'm game to talk about anything anytime. It's uh, I like this stuff. It's fun.
cool. Yeah, I just wanted to come back on here, man. I, I had to dip out my connection. It was really bad there, but um, I just wanted to come back on and, and, and say goodbye. And it was a pleasure to, to meet you and to speak with you. And um, inspiring story, man. Really, really uh, amazing accomplishments and uh, just the best of luck moving forward. Um, it sounds like you can do anything you set your mind to, man. So just keep it up. No, man, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, likewise, nice meeting you too, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Quinn, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it bunches. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Cool, cool.